0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. So, you know, J.P. J. Morgan, we try to run J.P. Morgan, we serve you regardless of the economy. I know the economy may get better or worse. That's not how you run the business. That's not how your average restaurant runs the business. They want the clients to come in and take care of them.
1: That was Jamie Dimon, the long-serving boss of America's largest bank, J.P. Morgan, assuring customers and no doubt investors about the bank's commitment to the U.S. economy.
0: Welcome back to The Views Room. I'm Amy Donlan. And I'm Anita Ramaswamy. And this week, we are delving into succession planning at the bank. Yes, it's not just a popular
1: TV show. News of a shake-up at J.P. Morgan has got people aflutter as to who will take over once he finally retires.
0: So, stay tuned for the Views Room, the weekly podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where Amy and I talk to our fellow columnists about the big stories of the week. We're coming to you from London and New York.
1: So, Anita, a shake up at JP Morgan. What are your thoughts? When did you first hear about JP Morgan and the possibility that Jamie Diamond might step down? For me, it was about 10 years ago.
0: Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like there's been such so much talk about Jamie Diamond stepping down. But at this point, his name is so synonymous with the JP Morgan brand. And it's interesting to envision a JP Morgan without him at the helm. It's been so long that he's been running the company.
1: So I guess we're going to have to bring in, Anita, our our two esteemed colleagues who are in your region. So we are delighted to have Lauren Silver-Loughlin, is the U.S. editor of Breaking Views. And we have John Foley, who heads up our financial coverage for Breaking Views. So, John and Lauren, great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Hi there. I suppose, John, I think probably best to start with you. What, as I said, what is the backstory here of of J.P. Morgan and this idea that Jamie Dimon might step down? I mean, there's been a, there's been a, a many events. I mean, he even had cancer, which people uh, were obviously very worried that that something would happen there. and He recovered. But yeah, what is the sort of backstory to to, you know, to his his leadership and, and concerns about it?
2: Well, Jamie Dimon runs the biggest bank in the US, the biggest bank in the world. In fact, J.P. Morgan is also the riskiest bank in the world, according to the global banking um, watchdogs in Basel. Um, he's been there since about 2005, so that makes him a longer-serving CEO than any of his peers at the other big US banks like Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. So obviously, people routinely muse on who might replace him when and if he steps down. But he's now in his late 60s. Um, he shows no desire to step down. The board seems to want him to stay. They gave him a, a huge uh, retention bonus that uh, in 2021 that doesn't pay out till 2026. And so he just kind of hangs on. And the thing is, like in terms of governance, you can say that there is a point at which an executive becomes stale um, and shareholders might want them to move on. That point doesn't seem yet to have arrived with JP Morgan, which has been doing very well. Um, and shareholders seem quite happy with him sticking around. So although he's he announced um, a few days ago a big reshuffle of lots of executives under him, which has got people talking about who might be the next Jamie Dimon, at the moment there is no sign that we are going to have a next Jamie Dimon for at least the next three years.
0: Yeah, John, I want to talk about those five executives and some of the ones involved in the shakeup. But before we get there, I just wanted to ask you, why do you think people are putting so much energy in trying to figure out who's going to succeed Diamond, especially if it's not going to happen this year?
2: Well, so part of it is just the Wall Street soap opera. People love, you know, important, powerful figures and wondering what's going to happen to them next. And Diamond is um, is larger than life in lots of ways. He's he says what he likes and he likes what he says. He's always being very outspoken about bank rules and the way the economy should run and telling politicians what to do. He's also extremely well paid. But um, he, he it's also important, it should be important to everyone who runs JP Morgan because apart from just the drama of like who's in, who's out, JP Morgan is an enormously important part of the US economy and lots of decisions that ultimately come down to the CEO affect us all. It's, it's one of the biggest finances of fossil fuels. It makes about a billion dollars a year in overdraft fees to American consumers. About half of American households are customers of J.P. Morgan. So the decisions that Diamond and his successor make matter a lot to everybody. And as we saw last year when we had a kind of mini banking crisis, the failure of Silicon Valley and a few other California-based banks, it was J.P. Morgan that was brought in to, first of all, try and save one of the banks, First Republic, by putting in money um, and then ultimately buying it. They flexed the rules to let J.P. Morgan buy large parts of that bank because the the stability right. of the financial system depended on, effectively, on Jamie Dimon.
3: By the way, I'm going to pop in here, too, to say just quickly that it's not just JP Morgan. It's it's the entire banking system, as John says. So even if you don't have your money at Chase, Jamie Dimon influences a lot of things that have to do with your life because he is this larger than life CEO in the banking system that's really stood the test of time.
1: And Lauren, is that kind of what John is alluding to here is that this sort of the saviour of JP Morgan, that they can swallow up some of the the ailing banks in the system. Is that sort of why, you know, so many people care about this? It is obviously JP Morgan is outsized in its risk profile, but also that it can actually help others who are in trouble.
3: I think that's true. I mean, and by the way, Jamie Dimon is sort of the institutional knowledge of the banking system. He's been around longer than people in the government and anybody else in the, in the U.S. banking system. So we really do you know, depend on him to sort of pull through. So when you're thinking about key person risk, it's, it's not just a key person risk for the bank, but it's a key person
0: risk for, for U.S. banking in general. So obviously, this is going to be something that's really closely watched. And I'm curious, John, I saw that you had written an article about five executives who you said were all, you know, closest to the CEO role. And some of them were involved in this recent management shakeup. And I'm wondering if you, you know, which of those executives you think are
2: in uh, good positions to have a real shot at the CEO title? Well, well, I mean, it's too it's it's early to say that. To, to to pick one but there are yeah there are like five who sort of seem to be closest to the top of the greasy pole um, and those would be Marianne Lake and Jennifer Pipsack, who've both previously been CFO. Uh, Lake now runs the consumer bank. Pipsack co-runs the um, investment and commercial bank, along with a guy called Troy Rawbau, who's the new co-head of the commercial investment bank. Then there's um, Daniel Pinto, who is now the chief operating officer. Um, And there is Doug Petno, who runs the commercial bank. Don't worry if you've completely lost track of those already, because it doesn't really matter. We're not going to know for ages which one of them is going to be the boss. The main thing is that it seems that what Diamond's doing is kind of shuffling them around so that they get experience of different businesses because one of the things you're going to ask when the successor is picked is are they able to like chew gum and walk at the same time can they run what on its own would be the sixth biggest bank in the u.s that's just a consumer bank can they also run an an enormous trading um trading house that that is one of the most important dealers in um in US treasuries can they also deal with these like global networks of trade finance so so you shuffle everyone around give them a taste of doing everything and then eventually the bake-off you pick the one who's done best it could be anything there are also though some like bubbling under the surface there's a guy called Tekis uh, Georgiakopoulos who runs payments and um, who some people talk about as being someone with high potential it could also be none of them because we've seen previously deputies of Jamie Dimon come and go and then go and run other banks with varying degrees of success. People like Charlie Scharf, who now runs Wells Fargo. So a lot can happen between now and Dimon's eventual decision to retire.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention Jez Staley's another one. And Lauren, I was just going to bring you in here. I mean, do you think that there is this is a moment maybe to be more hopeful if you're one of those, you know, five people who have been identified or somebody else in the bank that maybe has their eye on that job? Is that that maybe because he's been there so long and his age and all of these things that there maybe is more hope that that, you know, you won't be wasting
3: your time necessarily holding out for that job. I don't know. I mean, you know, Diamond still writes his long missives every year and 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 every, you know, every few months we hear people speculate that he's going to run for president. And I think Ackman, maybe Bill Ackman was the latest to endorse him, even though, you know, obviously he doesn't have those ambitions. Um i mean you know i think that jp running jp morgan is jamie diamond's pulse what I, I didn't realize actually until john told me the other day is that he himself did have a lot of jobs at the bank um and so he is sort of sounds like he's pushing potential successors to do the same thing um but you know he's not terribly old i don't think he seems like he's in decent health and um you know, what would Jamie Dimon do if, if not running JP Morgan?
1: And John, I mean, away from JP Morgan, um, as Lauren said, there is lots of change. I mean, what about Goldman Sachs? I mean, how should we take Jim Esposito's departure or resignation from the bank? I mean, is it, or, you know, is it, is it becoming a very stressful time to be in one of these leadership positions at a bank?
2: Well, you could argue that in Goldman Sachs' case, it's kind of the opposite. So Jim Esposito was the co-head of the markets and investment banking business, one of three co-heads, and he just retired. Um, He's been at Goldman for a really long time, 25 years, I think maybe more than that, actually, nearly 30 years. Um, And he just reached a point where I don't think there was much, there's anywhere really to go. Like J.P. Morgan has a CEO, Goldman Sachs has a CEO, David Solomon, who Hasn't been around that long, doesn't seem to want to move. And there are quite a few people jockeying for his position if he does. So I think for someone like Esposito... He just gets to a point where he thinks mm, like maybe it's time for a change to, to do something more interesting. He said in his resignation letter, sorry, retirement, letter, not resignation letter, that he felt like he was kind of going through the motions. And the thing is, like, if you're running a big trading desk, I can imagine why you kind of feel about these days, because there's so much regulation. Every year there are more rules that you have to follow. Uh, markets have been doing amazingly well during Covid, but they're starting to now come back down to earth. So you can imagine looking over your trading empire and thinking. Mm, maybe the best has passed. And meanwhile, like outside of banking, in the kind of what we call the shadow banking sector, or the non-bank world of hedge funds and investment firms, um, direct lenders, there is still a lot of fun to be had, lots of people taking lots of risk with not many regulations. You can still squeeze a lot of adrenaline out of, you know, a day in the market. So I think, you know, as we were at the other day, a lot of people who are very senior at trading desks might be thinking, maybe there is more fun to be had somewhere else.
0: Yeah, the world of banking is actually changing pretty fast. And it makes me wonder for whoever steps up after Jamie Dimon at JP Morgan, whenever that may be, what are some of the biggest challenges that you think um, that individual is going to face? You know, it, it kind of made me think about Tim Cook taking over from Steve Jobs. And we have a similar situation where Jamie Dimon is this really big
2: figurehead for the bank. So what, what are going to be some of the biggest challenges that his successor has to deal with? So that's a really good question and it's and it's like one of the biggest challenges might be that there isn't an obvious thing that the next generation of CEOs can do to make their mark. So when you think about Diamond, Brian Moynihan at Bank of America, James Gorman, who just retired from Morgan Stanley, they all came in and had to fix banks that had been through the financial crisis and got into loads of trouble, bought things they shouldn't, um, sold things to people that they shouldn't. They, they were kind of broken institutions that they had to fix. And 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 they've all done their own thing to kind of rehabilitate those firms. Brian Moynihan, in particular, had like rebuilt Bank of America effectively. Um, James Gorman turned Morgan Stanley into being a kind of wealth management powerhouse. But now banking is just like, they're not broken. They're like so closely regulated and overseen, regulated, breathing down the necks all the time, that basically the biggest challenge they have is just following the rules. So the next generation of CEOs really is just going to have to not screw it up, which is actually harder than it sounds and less interesting than it sounds.
3: Yeah, I'm sort of intrigued by the comparison to Tim Cook, actually, because and Apple, because the two companies are, are a lot alike in the sense that they're big and have influence and, you know, they're keepers of money and data and things like that. But like J.P. Morgan is nothing like Apple in the sense that it's a utility company. Like it is a bank that makes fees and is backed by the U.S. taxpayer um, effectively. And so, in some ways, like, Jamie Dimon is punching way above his weight in terms of his importance. Meaning, the person running that bank should just be a person very, and John, you may disagree with me on this completely, so please pop in. But, like, the person (laughs) running that bank should be very much like a Brian Moynihan, like, which I would say is somewhat replaceable. Um, But Dimon actually isn't, and J.P. Morgan actually kind of does all sorts of risky things, too which makes it difficult. So um, I don't know. I, I feel like whereas that person shouldn't ha- ha- be risky in terms of replacement, he sort of is. What do you think, think about like,
2: that? I, I love that. I love that challenge. So like, I think that, that if you think about Jamie <laughs> Diamond next to Brian Moynihan, Brian Moynihan seems very low-key next to Jamie Diamond because Jamie gets up and shouts and says, you know, regulation is excessive and will harm the economy and all this kind of stuff. And Moynihan basically... Is much more measured in his approach. Um, they're both very capable in their way. They're like they're both running banks that are doing very well. I think Moynihan is able to be Moynihan because Diamond is Diamond. And what mm. I mean by that is that Diamond has effectively become the kind of the the kind of street fighter and advocate um, of for the banking sector. You see that whenever the CEOs are brought in front of Congress, Diamond very much mm. sets the tone and and is um, comfortable using that bully pulpit. Um, to say what all of his peers are thinking, but maybe don't say. So I think JP Morgan doesn't need that necessarily, but the banking industry overall um, gets a lot out of it. So whoever replaces Jamie as CEO, it's not just, will they be a good CEO of Jamie Dimon, but it's also, can they be the kind of figurehead for the industry that lets the other CEOs Outsource the strongest views to someone who has no fear of saying what they think. I'm not sure that any of the five people that we've discussed at J.P. Morgan are going to be able to get enough practice in their current jobs of that part of Jamie Diamond's job. So, I think what the industry will have to get used to is not having Diamond kind of, you know, as the icebreaker.
3: No, it's a, it's a good point. By the way, the one person we haven't talked about who does fit into the into this picture too is Jane Frazier. And I would say, like to John's point. That both she and, and Moynihan uh, like let let Diamond do the kicking and screaming, which is true. Jane Frazier at city, right? Yes.
1: I mean, it's it's funny. I kind of think, given what we know of Jamie Diamond's personality, that this will probably be a shock when it happens as in i can't I can't see him making a big make song and dance about I'm gonna retire some in the way that some people do and say in two years' time or in a year and give any notice. So, um, yeah, we might just have to be at the ready for whenever this happens.
0: I'm going to miss his jokes about Bitcoin, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, John, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. Great to talk to you.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Thank you. all.
1: Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlich in London. Subscribe to the Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with our latest views and much more on Breakingviews.com and on X, where our handle is at Breaking Views.
3: I'm Kim Vanel.
1: Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front
3: line in Ukraine.
2: Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover.
3: To the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For
1: your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts.